God the Father of all men, ruler of all nations, master of the universe, Lord of all creation. Can it be that we are the people of the We left off with the idea of discipleship and how important that is. And sometimes we, we think that what it means to go out and make disciples is we've got to go all over the face of the world and maybe we might even think that we have to go to a foreign nation and then be a missionary in order to really uh, make disciples uh, of, of people around us. However, that's not the only way that we are called to make disciples. And what I want us to take a look at now is what about your own family? especially for those of you who are listening to this um, who are fathers because you know what type of example are you setting what type of leadership in your household are you having and even more than you know just that about fathers is any of us what type of legacy are we leaving uh, behind of faith because we are always we have always been called to teach the next generation. Now, this is something that doesn't just show up in the New Testament. It goes back into the Old Testament, too. Let's start there and take a look at a few passages together. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, this is a very, very famous passage um, that, uh, that is very close to, to Jewish people's um, heart. And even it was quoted several times by Jesus. Um, and there's a lot that we can learn about it, too. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7, we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. And this, this passage goes on and talks about that, but already right here, the idea that the Lord is our God and the Lord is one, is stated way back here in, in the law of Moses. And that's something that needs to be you know, very close to someone who is a Jew, but then also us as Christians. This is so powerful. This is so wonderful and so important for us to, to recognize this. And what was stated there with Deuteronomy is the commandments of God were always supposed to be taught to our children. 
They were always supposed to be handed down. Verse 7 talks about that. In fact, we see that, that we are called as parents to impress them on our children. But notice how often, okay? It's really only four different times of the day. When you sit at home, when you, lock, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Now, at some point, you probably start to realize that's all the time. That means we are called to be people who impress these commands of God upon our children. Not so much that you know we force them and we, we make them follow these commands. No, no, no. We teach them about the loving God who gave us these commands so that we can follow them and be pleasing in his sight. That's what's stated in Deuteronomy chapter 6, but there's so much more. We can look at the Psalms. In Psalm 71, we read things like this in verses 17 and 18. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Uh, this should be our prayer too. You know, those of us who have been taught since we were um, a youth, you know, we've been taught by God. We are called to declare these marvelous deeds, the great things that God has done to the next generation. That's what verse 18 is talking about, you know, that, that he is just um, asking God, uh, continue to be with me until I can talk about this powerful nature that you have and the great things that you've done to the upcoming generation because they need to know about the power of God. They need to know about the mighty acts of God. What has been done during your lifetime? What have you seen God do in your own lifetime that you need to make sure the next generation knows about those? That God is active. He is alive. He always has been. So we read that in Psalm 71. One more psalm is Psalm 78. Listen to this. We will, verses 4 through 7. We will not hide them from your descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. That's why we are called to always teach these commands to our children, to the next generation, is because they need to know what God has done. They need to know the mighty acts that God has carried the previous generation through, and they need to be aware of the mighty acts that God uh, is quite capable of doing in their own time as well. We can put our trust in God. We have put our trust in, in God. Let's teach the next generation to do so, the ones that are coming up you know, behind us. Now at this time, I want us to, to change our focus and let, take, let's take a look at the New Testament, specifically one book. I want us to look at this book of 2 Timothy. This is where Paul is writing to younger Timothy, but I want you to notice how he addresses Timothy. The letter of 2 Timothy, which most people uh, kind of figure that this is most likely Paul's last letter that he uh, wrote. And he's speaking to Timothy, but notice how he reaches out to him and notice the close connection he has with Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, the first five verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. 
Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Let's pause right there and take notice of a few things together. We see that Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says in verse 2, notice how he addresses Timothy. He says, to Timothy, my dear son. Now, we can easily read over this and be like, okay, well, this is Paul. He's an apostle. Yes, okay, he's got this message, and he's writing to Timothy, okay? And we can see the grace, mercy, and peace. We can be like, okay, it's a typical greeting of Paul. However, notice in verse 2 that he says, to Timothy, my dear son. Well, this is something that's going to show up a little bit later as well, but I guess we've already starting to see it right here that teaching the next generation and teaching your children, well, Paul wasn't the father of Timothy, but he calls Timothy my dear son because guess what? Timothy was the next generation. He was the one that Paul uh, felt this, this, uh, this bond with, and he was kind of a father of faith sort of to Timothy. So in order for you to um, give these commands and, and teach these commands to uh, your children, those aren't always your blood children, uh, though they can be that as well. See, in verse 5, he speaks about this sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother. Timothy is, is, is amazing because he has this faith that his, his mother had, and then there's also this faith of his grandmother. So he's the third generation, at least, that is specifically uh, listed right here as having this faith. Paul knows that that faith is in him. He knows that Timothy has come from this uh, faithful family, this family who has passed on the faith one generation to the next generation to the next generation. And we see that in that case, it is blood relatives. You know, we see Eunice, we see Lois. They took special care to make sure their children knew about God, that they knew about this faith and that God is faithful. And he is all, and he, he's mighty to save, and he will do great things. So we see that Timothy is somebody who was brought up in this type of household, in this type of environment. But this isn't the only passage that speaks about this, this kind of family relationship here and the importance of passing on the commands of God. We see in the very next chapter, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. He calls Timothy again. We're, we're only just another chapter away, and he calls him my son. You see this close connection that Paul has to Timothy. And then the command that Timothy is given right here is to entrust the things that he had been entrusted with, entrust those to rely uh, to reliable people. So it's supposed to continue on. Making sure that we take care of our own families, it does most certainly deal with our own blood, you know, our, our own flesh and blood, the ones who are our, uh, our, our family. But it also deals with a little bit bigger than that, that we make sure that it's about this next generation, that they hear the mighty acts of God, that the things that we've been entrusted with, this sincere faith that lives in us, will also live in the next generation. And the way that that happens is because we teach them. You know, Christianity and Judaism, for that matter, they are both taught religions. You, you don't just know exactly how to be a Christian. You don't just know, you know, how, how to follow God. You are taught how to follow God. You, you are taught what is pleasing and what is displeasing before God. 
because those things have been passed down throughout the generations for thousands of years since the beginning of time. They've been passed down to us today. And it's still our job to continue to pass on these things about being faithful to God to the upcoming generation. That is what your legacy of faith is all about. And this is so important. Discipleship's not always about going across the seas. Sometimes it's within your own family and making sure that they are faithful. Also in chapter 3 now, of 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, I want to, to pay special attention to this because this is is what we need to be focused on. We've already seen, you know, kind of who uh, we need to focus on, our own family, and in Paul's case, you know, this this close uh, younger Christian. Um, he, he called him his son. Now in chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, Paul writes this, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This passage is so powerful. We need to make sure that we, we understand it, we recognize it. We get a little bit of insight into Timothy himself, that he has learned the Holy Scriptures from infancy. That's what, what verse 15 says. So, I mean, he was taught from a very early age um, about the Holy Scriptures and about following God. We need to have those types of Christian households among us. Christian households that from infancy, our children are being taught the Holy Scriptures because these holy scriptures are what allow us, they're, they're what make us wise so that we can have this salvation through this faith in Christ Jesus. That's the way that we receive them. Verse 16, you know, this, this is so powerful of a passage that speaks about all scripture. And I believe he's speaking not just about the Old Testament. He is speaking about that. But he's also speaking about the New Testament too. That all scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for all these different things. For teaching people, rebuking uh, them, correcting, training, all these things for righteousness so that a specific purpose can take place. In verse 17, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, sometimes we look at this this passage about all Scripture being God-breathed. What, what does that really mean? Well, there's only two things, if you will, that I'm aware that God breathed. Uh, one of them was God breathed into Adam, and he became a living being in Genesis, um, the, the, the early part of Genesis we see. But then also we see that Scripture, the Word of God, God has breathed into the Word of God. And just like how Adam became a living being whenever God breathed the breath of life into him, guess what? Scripture is also living because it has been breathed in by God. Now, I hope that image, you know, kind of kind of connects with you in some way that you recognize that Scripture, you know, it is active. It is alive. Even though to us, you know, we just see, oh, well, these are, these are words on a page. You know, it's a book. But... It's a book that God has breathed. When you look through the pages of the Old and the New Testaments and you see the power of the Word of God and how it's described, you know, several times the Word of God is even described as a person. 
you know, and of course we see at the beginning of John chapter one, the word became uh, flesh and made his dwelling among us. So we see this word of God being described and, and that time it is specifically uh, referenced to Jesus Christ. But the word of God, even in the Old Testament, is described as being active and, and alive because the word of God is. The word of God has been breathed in by God himself, just as humans are alive. The word of God is as well. God has, has taken special care to do that. We need to take special care to read the scriptures. You know, how many times can we just leave our Bible sitting on the shelf and not let this powerful word of God breathe life into us and, you know, help us walk in the ways of learning from it? I mean, it's useful for all these different ways, teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's why God gave us the Bible. Let's make sure that we, we use the Bible and let's make sure that we teach the Bible to the next generation. And then finally, I want to look at, at one more passage, one more chapter in 2 Timothy chapter 4 this time. This is immediately following what we just read, but in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 5, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up a sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Do you see how Timothy is called to be different? He is called to proclaim this word. And, you know, I know that some of you who, who might watch this at, at some point, you might think, okay, well, he was told to preach. I mean, he was a preacher. That makes sense. Well, yes, that is. This is specifically what Timothy is told. But remember, Timothy was entrusted with these words, and he was told to pass on this information to the next generation. Why do you think the book of 2 Timothy is in our Bibles? It's so that we will be taught these things as well. This is not just a message for a preacher. It's a message for all of us to proclaim the word of God, to do these things as well, to recognize the power of the word of God and be ready to boldly proclaim the word of God. Because there will come a time, as Paul says, when people won't listen to the truth. They don't want to, to know the truth. They don't want that sound doctrine. They just want whatever they want. Well, it doesn't take you very long. In fact, Paul knew some people that that very thing had happened to. In our day, we see that as well. But regardless of what people want, we know what they need. They need the Word of God. And just like, yes, there's going to be people who want to go off and who, who want to, to turn around because of their you know, itching ears. But verse 5 says, But you keep your head in all situations. Endure the hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Stay focused. Stay focused on the important things. And the most important thing and the, the way that we can pass on this legacy is to, to focus on passing on the commands of God, the great deeds of God, the mighty acts that he has done in your lifetime. Make sure the next generation knows about those. And make sure the next generation knows the word of God and is willing to stand for the Word of God, and use the Word of God. Study the Word of God, and then we will be equipped 
for whatever type of hardship that we might face. Just like those words that Timothy were told, I think they speak volumes for us and they can help prepare us to teach the next generation. Ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready for the judgment day. When the bridegroom comes, will I be there to meet him in the air? And will my lamp be burning bright? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the master comes today, will I be in or cast away? And will he find me faithful there? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the Lord should choose to lay, will I be true until that day? And will my oil be plenty then? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day.